and there we go. Welcome in everybody to another Tuesday night. This is Connor and coverage. We do this every Tuesday night and we are here. It is the SEC championship week. You have number one, Georgia, hot and fresh college football playoff rankings. They are number one. They are playing number three, Alabama this week in Atlanta for the SEC championship game. Georgia wins. They're in the playoff. Georgia loses. They're probably in the playoff. Whereas Alabama probably going to need to win this game. And having said all that, Georgia is still a six-and-a-half-point favorite, nearly a touchdown favorite against Alabama. The last time Alabama was an underdog all the way back in 2015 against the Georgia team that they went on to beat 38-10 to 10 in that game. It was not all that pretty. Georgia did not play that way well that day. And knowing what we know now, that was a very flawed Georgia team that they had played back there. I don't think we can say the same thing about this Georgia team. Yes, there are questions. One of the biggest ones we're going to get into tonight, discussing Will Anderson. How Georgia goes about blocking him? Because I think for maybe the first time all season, Georgia does not have the best defensive player in this game. And Nicobe Dean is great. Jordan Davis is going to be a Heisman Trophy finalist, potentially if Georgia wins on Saturday and he plays well. Maybe a... Heisman Trophy winner, but Will Anderson is an absolute stud, and Georgia's going to need to find ways to figure out how to block him and prevent him from blowing up this game because I think the one thing we've seen with Georgia going back to that Clemson game, if you want to beat them, your best chance might be to sort of muck the game up for three quarters and then hope your offense can make a play. That's sort of what Clemson did. Their offense wasn't able to that day, and Georgia ultimately found just enough offense to win that game. I'll be interested to see if Alabama goes about doing the same sort of things that Clemson did in that first game of the season, and it starts up front with Will Anderson. We're going to obviously touch a little bit there on X factors, and you know, mentioning Anderson, it's worth mentioning here. Some of the X factors for Georgia in this game, the guys that they need to play well to take advantage of certain things or, or take away things that Alabama does well, a couple of those guys are banged up. Obviously, Jamari Sawyer, we're going to get on the latest on him tonight. And then Chris Smith there as well in that secondary. His presence looms really large in this game and his ability to be out there and play. Because one, it, it provides more depth. But two, he's pretty clearly one of the more important pieces in the secondary. You saw the impact that he had in the win over Tennessee earlier this season. And so having said all that, his status for this game really matters. We're going to touch on some of the guys that I think could make big plays in this game sort of at the end of the broadcast. But to start things off tonight, talk the latest in college football coaching news and coaching changes. Because I think what we have seen the last two days and the shakeups that we have seen there – Lane Kiffin, or excuse me, not Lane Kiffin, slip of the tongue. Lincoln Riley going from Oklahoma to USC. Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame to come to LSU are two, I think, really landmark moves in terms of the coaching sphere and where we are headed in college football and sort of what it means going forward. And so we'll touch on you know what it means for those programs and then obviously what it means for Georgia because I think as the dominoes continue to fall and coaching roles continue to get filled, I'm sneakily getting more and more confident that I think Dan Lanning and Todd Munkin both might end up back at Georgia next year. I'll start here with Lanning because he's very clearly going to be a college head coach someday. And I think he is now with what he has done at Georgia and the job that he has at Georgia, he has earned the right to be choosy with the sort of job he wants. And he's not going to get an Oklahoma or he's not going to get a Notre Dame type job, but you think a rung below that, those are certainly jobs he's qualified for and can potentially step in. The problem has been that those jobs haven't really come open in this in this in this previous in this current coaching cycle. You know, Kansas State is a theoretical job. I think Arizona State, a place where Lanning had coached at, a lot of people thought that would come open. It did not. Those sort of middle tier college football jobs. You know, not saying that Baylor is going to come open. It looks like Dave Aranda is going to end up staying there at Baylor now, but 
those sort of, you know, second tier jobs where if you do things the right way, you can level up and, you know, a Wake Forest, the landing would not, I don't think be a good fit there at Wake Forest. So those type of jobs, they just haven't come open. And so because of that, Lanning, very much in the same way that Kirby Smart did, can afford to sit back and be choosy with the sort of job that he goes out there and tries to take. And so I think that's a great thing for Georgia. Yes, you worry about Glenn Schumann. When does he ultimately you know, want more responsibilities? I, I think in the event that Lanning leaves, he would be Georgia's first choice as a defensive coordinator. Obviously, most, Will Muschamp is a guy I think Georgia wants to keep on its staff, specifically in its on-field staff role, given the impact that he has had on this Georgia recruiting class. But having Dan Lanning around for another year is still a big win for the Georgia team. He's obviously great with recruits. He has developed players. He has done, I think, a really, really important job in sort of updating this Georgia scheme and how aggressive they are in terms of pass rush. I think that's one distinct change from the early Mel Tucker days of running that defense there for Georgia. So in that standpoint, the jobs that have come open and the jobs that we expect to continue to come open – Landing doesn't really have a home there. And I think you can probably say the same for Todd Munkin as well, Georgia's offensive coordinator. Uh, he's not nominated for a bro- for the Broyles Award. It is Dan Landing. Landing's probably going to end up winning that in my estimation. But I think what, Lan- what Todd Munkin has done this year has been just as impressive and if not more important for this Georgia team. And uh, I, he, I will say the one thing that I think we have to continue to watch with Todd Munkin is does he ultimately go back and go to the NFL and become an offensive coordinator and more distinctly a play caller there because his last year in Cleveland, he was not calling plays there for the Browns. But you sort of see what Joe Brady did. College name or NFL name came down to college, had great success at LSU and is now currently the offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. I think that might be a, a more logical next step for Munkin if he is to leave Georgia this offseason than potentially him taking a, a college head coaching job. And I had initially thought, I thought Munkin came back to be a college head coach. He has experience at Southern Miss. He knows the college game. But it's similar to Dan Lanning, I don't think those types of jobs that, that Munkin is sort of qualified for are going to come open. He's clearly going to take a job better than Southern Miss. And I just sort of give you the idea there because that's where he was before. And he ultimately chose to leave that job to go be the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I, I think it's very interesting and in how, you know, this coaching carousel is, is shaking out at the moment. And it's, it's, it's starting to slow a little bit now that the biggest dominoes have fallen. And so from there, you know, Virginia Tech hired Brent Pry today, the defensive coordinator from Penn State. As the carousel starts to slow a little bit, it's looking like Georgia may end up keeping its coordinators another year, which would be huge just given, you know, the expectation I think a lot of us had is that, you know, when you have a team this successful, you expect coordinators to move on and go elsewhere. You look at that 2019 LSU team, you look at last year's Alabama team, uh, Steve Sarkeesian gets hired at Texas, Dave Aranda gets hired at Baylor. Uh, um, Joe Brady obviously takes the uh, Carolina Panthers job, as we mentioned earlier. So retaining coordinators, retaining assistants is really, really big for continued success. I think that's a very underrated part of why things ended so badly for Mark Rick to Georgia. He just made a really bad offensive coordinator hire in Brian Schottenheimer. And at the time that he had made that decision, it really sunk his program. And, and in part, obviously there are many reasons Mark Rick got fired, but in part was the reason that Georgia had moved on from him there. So sort of very interesting to watch all that. As far as the, the, the 10,000 foot take on this, Money talks and, you know, the money in college football has never been greater. You see Mel Tucker, 10 years, 95. I mean, they're handing out these Jimbo Fisher contracts, 10 years, $95 million. Like they're candy. James Franklin has one. Uh, Brian Kelly now has one. I think Lincoln Riley is actually a little bit more than that. Kirby Smart in a few weeks uh, is going to have one very much in that ballpark and probably even exceeding it. So 
you know, the money talks now in a way that it never did. Notre Dame is a consistent playoff team. And I, I think money's a big reason why Brian Kelly went from Notre Dame to LSU. I, I think Notre Dame, because Brian Kelly, in reading some of the comments he had made in recent weeks, was talking a lot about money and wanting improvements. And it sounds like maybe Notre Dame had stopped opening up its checkbook and AKA stopped saying yes to everything. Whereas Kirby Smart, one of the things that in this Georgia administration deserves credit for, both under Greg McGarry and has continued under current athletic director Josh Brooks, they have said yes when Kirby has asked for something. They have continued to keep up with the facilities and continued to pump money into this program. I think that is vital. I think that is perhaps the most under-discussed element of what Alabama has done in recent years. It has been that administration there continuing to enable Nick Saban to do the sort of things where he wants to do and push that Alabama team further because they have the funds and resources to do so. I know a lot of people are going to want to say, and I'm sure commenters here, and we'll get to you guys and your questions later on. You know, say Lincoln Riley's scared of the SEC. That's why he didn't want to come here. Uh, you know, he's bailing on Oklahoma. I mean, I get that, but given that we just saw Ed Orgeron get fired within two years of winning a national title, given we just saw Dan Mullen get fired less than a year after winning the SEC East, if you've got a chance to not necessarily work harder, but work smarter at a place at USC where you can set up, if you, it is set up for you to dominate the Pac-12, he can really recruit that Southern California footprint and do very, very well for himself there. And you're getting paid a ton of money to do so. I think that makes a lot more sense. Personally speaking, I'd much rather live in, in Southern California than in Norman, Oklahoma. And so I think, you know, the Riley move, while sure you want to say it's, it, 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 he's afraid of the SEC. I, I think he made a smart coaching move for himself in sustaining his own ability to coach in college football because Oklahoma is very different and they're not quite yet in the SEC. Again, you've seen what some of these SEC programs become. You got two bad years with that, which Ed Ogeron had. Doesn't matter how much you've won, they're going to run you out of there and think that they can go out and get somebody better. So I think that very much speaks to where college football is at right now. One interesting thing on this, because it's very clear, Lincoln Riley did not want Oklahoma to join the SEC. I think we feel, I think we, knowing what we know now, we can we can say that. I wonder if anyone at Oklahoma regrets as of right now this move. Now they're going to make a ton of money from this, and from an financial from a financial standpoint, it may it was too much money to say no to. But from a college football standpoint, Oklahoma is the biggest fish in their pond, and they have a pathway to the college football playoff every year. Even this Oklahoma team, which I think we all agree now was not that great of a team, still won 10 games. Still, if ball bounces a different way against Oklahoma State this weekend, they're still very much in the college football playoff picture. Now you're coming to the SEC, you're competing against Texas A&M, who similarly invested a ton of resources into this team. They were paying Jimbo Fisher a lot of money, gave him a new contract extension. They are recruiting exceptionally well. And they did all that to lose to Arkansas, to lose to Mississippi State, and uh, to lose to Arkansas, Mississippi State, and LSU this season. That speaks to the difficulty of it is in this league. Now, if you're able to get through this, and if you're in Georgia's standpoint, you know, for example, here, you're able to win your division and then win the SEC, and you're looking at a playoff potentially of Michigan, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State. Yeah, you like your chances of winning a national title, but with what the SEC is and what it's set to become it might be harder to win the SEC than it is to win the national championship, especially if you're in that sort of top 10 team, because USC, Ohio state, Oklahoma, we're not as currently constructed because Oklahoma not yet in the SEC and don't know when that's going to happen. I'd be surprised if it doesn't end up happening this off season, just given the way things tend to be trending there. But having said all that, you know, you don't really know what you have until the end of the year. Clemson, you can include in there as well. Whereas the SEC, 
you know you're going to be battle tested. You know you're going to have to have gone through an Alabama, a, a Georgia, most years of Florida, a, an LSU even. So having to go through that, you know what you have. And by the time you play those playoff games, to some, those are probably easier than what you've had to go through on a week-in, week-out basis. And I can certainly understand Lincoln Riley where there's going to be so much pressure to make the playoff, to win the SEC – that you're better off saying, hey, we can still point to making a college football playoff, that being a successful season for us, using that as your barometer, rather than if you're Georgia. I mean, this year is different because they've been so far dominant and so so ahead of everything that they haven't really had to worry about it. But you think back to 2018, losing the SEC championship game in Alabama, clearly one of the best teams in the country, but they don't end up making the 14 playoff. And you're like, this was an unsuccessful season, whereas Oklahoma, who I Georgia was probably better than that season, still had the ability to say, hey, we won our conference and we made it to the college football playoff, and that is deemed a more successful season. So I think that absolutely sort of factors into why coaches have made the decisions that they want to. As far as Brian Kelly, we'll end on this. I think it says a lot about Brian Kelly that he felt he couldn't take Notre Dame any farther. They got a very good chance of potentially making the college football playoff this year, at least before he left. And he just he wants to win a national championship because that is about the only thing he has not done. He's had undefeated seasons. He's really uplifted that Cincinnati program when he was the head coach there really sustained success at Notre Dame in a way that had not been seen in my lifetime. So having that there, I, I think that winning a national championship is the one thing he hasn't done. And if you look at LSU for all the dysfunction they've had there, the last three head coaches have all won national titles. And I think that mattered a lot to Brian Kelly, along with the 10 year, $95 million contract he got. And so that's sort of where things are with the college football coaching changes, the carousel, how it moves. And obviously there's no, there will be some unforeseen moves and we're going to have it covered in terms of where things go and how Georgia adapts and handles all of this. But as I sort of transition here, you look at Oklahoma, you know, you thought with Lincoln Riley coming in, they were going to be a pretty, pretty formidable foe. They got to nail this coaching hire because if you start out slow in the SEC, it might be really hard to catch up quickly. So they've got to really absolutely, I think, nail this coaching hire. So that's our first topic of the night, talking coaching carousel, where things go for Georgia, what it means. Obviously, Lincoln Riley going to USC, Brian Kelly going to LSU, the, the ramifications of all that. Who does Oklahoma hire? Who does Notre Dame hire? Notre Dame, it sounds like they're going to have to choose. And pretty quickly between going all in on Luke Fickle or going all in on the defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman, who a lot of the players and recruits currently like. So that'll be interesting and worth watching going forward. But let's turn our attention to the game this weekend. Georgia, number one. Alabama, number three. Four o'clock, CBS in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I will be there. I'm very much looking forward to it. Last time Georgia played in this game, it was a tough day for me personally. I won't really get into that here. But Georgia got its doors blown off. But that was a really great LSU team. And this Georgia team looks a lot more like that LSU team, obviously different stylistically, than this Alabama team does. And having said all that, Alabama has some players on this team that can absolutely make life, Georgia's life miserable and are singularly great enough to turn the course of this game. Obviously, Bryce Young is probably the best quarterback Georgia has faced this year. And will be the best quarterback I think Georgia faces this season. So how they go about slowing him down is going to be very interesting. Alabama at the moment only has one healthy scholarship running back. And I think that's going to be very interesting to watch. They do get back Jamison Williams, who missed the last uh, half of the Auburn game due to a targeting suspension. I think he does a lot for them, especially open thing, opening things up over the top. John Mechie is a very trusted wide receiver there. They're really going to test and push the secondary but on the other side of the ball, the guy I want to talk about tonight is Will Anderson. Uh, Will Anderson is from – he went to Dutchtown High School. I'm blanking on the name there uh, of, the, of his hometown. But a, a, a Georgia product, grew up a Georgia fan, 
Uh, we can go back into the recruiting and why he is not at Georgia. Ended up being a five-star, but was a late riser in the 2020 recruiting cycle. And at the time, Georgia was only planning on taking one outside linebacker, given how many they had taken in recent cycles. You think oh, Aziz Ojolari, Adam Anderson, Brenton Cox in the 2018 cycle, Jermaine Johnson and Nolan Smith both committed, both committed in the 2019 cycle. They were really low to that outside linebacker position. So they were planning on only taking one guy. Early on, they identified MJ Sherman, who for most of the most of the process was a five-star player. MJ has a pretty devastating knee injury his junior year there, and it takes him some time to get back up. But Georgia was very much in on him, stayed committed to him. MJ Sherman ultimately picks Georgia over Ohio State. And while he has not been the player that Will Anderson has, I believe if Will Anderson ended up at Georgia, he would not be the player that he is at Alabama. Alabama was absolutely the right decision for him, and he's blossomed into the best player, defensive player in college football, at least on a production standpoint, you can debate Jordan Davis, and I'm sure the commenters are right now. Will Anderson is a game wrecker. In a way, Jordan Davis isn't. Now, you can debate who is more impactful because I think Jordan Davis does a lot of things while obviously different from Will Anderson. He puts you in more third and nine situations and helps out the rest of the defense, whereas I think Will Anderson is so singularly great. He can ruin a drive for you, but if you're able to find a way to block him and minimize his impact, this Alabama defense I think is very gettable in terms of what you're able to do and how you're able to attack them. Of course, that's easier said than done. Will Anderson leads the league in in, in tackles for loss and in sacks, and he has registered more tackles for loss than Aaron Donald did his last season at Pitt in college. He is sort of in an unknown territory in terms of statistical achievement this year for what he has been able to do. So how does Georgia go about stopping him? Well, it starts with having a healthy Jamari Sawyer, at least having a solidified option at that left tackle position. Jamari, I believe has missed the last three games for Georgia doing the math, right? He did not play against Charleston Southern. He did not play. I think he got hurt against uh, before the Missouri game. So he missed the last three or four games of the regular season with the foot injury. Had a, had a setback this past week, and when we talked to Kirby Smart on Monday, asking both about Jamari Sawyer and what his status is, and also a little bit about Broderick Jones. And so we'll hear Kirby here talk both about Jamari and Broderick, and from there we're going to transition into talking a little bit more about Broderick Jones because I do think there's a chance we see him this weekend at starting at left tackle. Don't know the answer to that. Uh, Jamari's going to practice today. Um, Jamari had a setback last week that was uh, minor. Um, but it was enough that he couldn't play this past week. You know, we wanted to get him out there. We thought he was gonna. I thought he was gonna play against uh, Georgia Tech. But once he had the setback, it was a little tougher for him too. Uh, we'll find out where he's at. Uh, pressure getting to you. Um, it's it's really up to how he practices and what he does. The good good news is is. You know, he's played a lot of SEC football. Um, he's blocked some really good players before. They have some tremendous edge rush guys, including Will and others. Uh, and they do a good job of attacking that. Um, but, I mean, he, he has to go against, you know, all camp he's had to go against really good uh, pass rushers every Thursday. He gets to go against, uh, you know, our guys and compete in two minutes and things like that. So, I, I mean, if he's healthy, I feel good about it. Jamari being able to play. If he's not, Broderick's played in some, some big games now too. And, and Broderick's gone on the road and played uh, in an Auburn environment in a, a Tennessee, I guess it was Tennessee environment where he got to play. And um, so I'm pleased with what Broderick's been able to do. Broderick's a, a really good athlete and um, – and hey, they got good players. We got good players. They get to go against each other, and I'm excited to see them go play. But I'm not <clears throat> sitting here overly concerned about just left tackle. I mean, we 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 got to block. We got to throw and catch. We got to be able to run the ball. We got to be able to have some form of balance. 
uh, and we got to do what we do better than what they do. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of attention this week on to this team in the event does not end up playing. We'll see if that is the case. It's been a dependable option at the left tackle spot, but I wanted to use this space to more about Broderick Jones because you see him. This is a game that you go out and recruit a guy like Broderick Jones. You fight those recruiting battles to land a five-star prospect like him. Obviously, Broderick, you know, came in with high expectations, didn't really play here and could not crack the start because of injuries to Jamari Sawyer and point out, Georgia was getting him reps throughout the season. It is not a, a reps issue at this point with Broderick. He's started multiple games for this Georgia defense, or this Georgia offensive line, excuse me, and has at least enough experience under him to where you at least feel somewhat comfortable with what he is able to give you out there at that left tackle position. This will obviously be the biggest game that Broderick Jones has played in, but he's got the raw talent to be able to do some things against Will Anderson and pass protection. I'd like to see him be a little bit more physical in the run game. And that's something where if he is asked to call upon and play that left tackle spot, he's going to have to do, but he has as high an upside as anybody at that left tackle position. And is now getting the reps to where he should feel more comfortable there. If called upon and needed to be used out there. I asked Trayvon Walker tonight about project. What have you seen from, from project this season and how specifically since he has moved into that starting lineup, has he played any differently? And I thought this was a really encouraging answer that we've seen on Georgia's potential starting left tackle on Saturday. He's a good young player. Broderick is a guy that's came on a long way from uh, camp. And he's one of those guys that I try to stay on. Like I, I give him my best. He gives me his best. So I try to get him, get him better every day so he'll be ready for his Saturdays. So, yeah, you hear Trayvon there sort of discussing. He's a guy who's made big strides since fall camp and is a guy who's continued to get better. And Georgia might need him to be at, their, at his absolute best on Saturday in the event that Jamari Sawyer doesn't end up playing. But Broderick's not going to block Will Anderson alone. No one really is. He, I believe if he was draft eligible this year, he'd be the number one pick in this year's draft. He is that talented and that good of a player. And the fact that Alabama gets him for another year, I think is going to be very significant for Georgia in terms of how they figure out and having to stop him in the future, along with on Saturday. But whether it's Jamari Sawyer, Warren McClendon, and they'll bring Anderson from all over. They're not just putting him on one side of the line. They will twist him to come up the middle. They will use Will Anderson in a variety of ways because they know he's a great enough athlete to impact the quarterback and wreck Georgia's offense. And so it's going to take a whole unit to play well and, and protect Stetson Bennett, protect these Georgia running backs in the run game because he is just as impactful there as he is as a pass rusher. So Georgia's going to need a big game from its tight ends this weekend. I wrote about it this morning. Obviously, everyone knows and wants to talk about how they are as pass catchers, and I think that's important to point out. Brock Browers is Georgia's leading receiver, 10 touchdowns on the season. That is nothing to scoff at. He's third in the SEC behind only Jamison Williams and Traylon Burks in that statistical category there. Darnell Washington is an intriguing option and a guy who I think will have the ability to get open. And John Fitzpatrick is dependable as well. But I think this week against Alabama, their blocking ability, which they're quite good at, certainly with, with John Fitzpatrick, the best blocker of the bunch, and then uh, Darnell Washington with his size, they're able to move dudes up front. And when you have a guy like Anderson, whether you're chipping, whether you're just staying in and pass protect, and obviously helping out in the run blocking game, Georgia's going to need a big week from its tight ends in terms of blocking because they're going to go, I think, a long way in being able to move and match about how they go out and attack Will Anderson. I know a lot of people have sort of, I don't want to say complain, but like, we need to get Darno more involved. We need to get Darno more touches. 
for this week against Alabama, the thing I want to look for from Darnell, how how much of an impact does he have in the blocking game? Because I think he's a guy who's athletic enough to where you want to move him around to try and match Will Anderson. I think he can do that, and I think he's going to be asked to do that quite a bit for Georgia in terms of helping protect this offense and making plays and, more importantly, minimizing the impact that Will Anderson have. The biggest impact that Darnell Washington and John Fitzpatrick can have in this game, it's not going to come in pass catching. It's not going to come with them stretching the field vertically. It's going to come with how they go out and a block Will Anderson. And so I asked Kirby Smart about this, about how important specifically that blocking aspect is within this offense. And here's what Kirby had to say about it. Yeah, the, those three guys have kind of been the unsung heroes. In some cases, I guess you could say they're not unsung, but they're the unsung heroes in terms of everything they've been able to do. Number one, they've been dependable. Uh, outside of uh, Darnell, they've been healthy. And uh, when you get dependable, healthy, talent, good pass catchers, uh, I think Coach Hartley's done a tremendous job uh, of them in run blocking. You know, it's hard to find tight ends that can block uh, defensive ends in NFL, but in the SEC. And our guys, um, we don't leave them out on an island often, but they they hold up when they have to block in the run game and get movement and uh, read things. They do a tremendous job. So they've been weapons catching the ball, and they've been targets. Obviously, uh, uh, Brock has been that, but the other guys have been as well. So they're a big uh, part of our success on offense. So, yeah, it's going to take a village to to minimize the impact of Williams. Anderson has personally speaking by the Heisman ballot my top three votes would all be defensive players right now Jordan Davis is obviously on there Will Anderson is on there and Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan is on there I think they have been the three most impactful players in college football this season they are three of the top teams as it stands right now those are the top three teams in college football Georgia one Michigan two Alabama three and I think those are the best players on those teams and so how Will Anderson impacts this game or how Georgia is able to prevent him from impacting this game I think it go a long way in terms of Georgia going out and winning this game because Alabama's offense is obviously very flawed, but I, I'd be – I wouldn't – surprise isn't the right word. If they're able to limit Alabama the way Auburn was a week ago, that'll be a, a huge win for Georgia. But given the past history in this and given all that we've seen from these two teams together, you feel really great if Georgia's able to score in the 30s and, and get up there in this game. And so with that, you're going to need to limit Will Anderson. You're going to need to be able to move the ball consistently, and you're going to be able to need to keep Alabama off the field. You do that by having long drives, keeping that offense, that Alabama offense, Bryce Young, the guy who's been described as a, as a point guard this week very often, keeping the ball out of his hands. And to do that, you run at Will Anderson. You block him up. You prevent him from pressuring your quarterback. You prevent Stetson or whoever Georgia's quarterback is from having to take those long drops and wait seven or five, six, seven seconds for a receiver to get open and run his route. And so how Georgia goes about blocking Will Anderson, I think is going to go a long way in determining the game. So that's our second topic here for tonight. I was going to do a short little thing on X Factors. I guess I still can here before we turn it over to you guys and your questions. I think Latavius Brini and Chris Smith are two big names to watch here for Georgia. Alabama's going to try and attack Latavius Brini. We have seen that time and time again from opposing coordinators. He's been susceptible at times. However, Georgia has found success with him in the red zone and in breaking up plays. So I think how Georgia goes about doing that is going to be very interesting. I touched on Broderick Jones earlier. I think Jermaine Burton is a guy to watch. A year ago against this team, and Jermaine, Georgia targeted Jermaine Burton 10 times in this game. Not of his best game that day. Had a drop that led to an interception, but he also had a touchdown there. And so – you know, George Pickens, we'll see what Georgia is able to get out of him there. Obviously, Brock Bowers, Alabama knows about him. 
Uh, James Cook and Kenny McIntosh are going to be trusted weapons in the in the pass catching game, but Georgia's going to need a guy that can stretch the field vertically on the outside, and I think Jermaine Burton is going to be the best bet at doing that. I think he's talented. He's shown real promise this year. Caught a touchdown pass last week against Georgia Tech. He's been battling injuries a little bit, but he's healthy at this time of the year. So how Jermaine Burton impacts this game is going to be well worth watching for me at least, because I think if he has a good game, I think that's a very good sign for this Georgia program. So with that, we will open it up to questions, comments, thoughts, concerns, whatever you guys want to talk about and where you think uh, things go. Shelton Tucker, yes. Will Anderson is from the state of Georgia. Played at Dutchtown High School. I am blanking on the name of his hometown there, but he is a a Georgia native and told reporters this week he grew up a Georgia fan. And, and for a time, I know knowing his, his recruiting story, wanted to be a, a Georgia Bulldog, but the stars are just not aligned there for the Bulldogs. Um, let's see. Questions. Uh, so Dave Riddle. So, uh, I'm actually, I'm going to save this for Thursday because we're doing a chase for the championship series. We're going to be at the Marlowe's in Brookhaven. Definitely tune in to watch that. I'm going to save my official prediction for then. As much as I would love to see Georgia go out there and pound them. And I think if you put these two teams on a field where there's no logos and you just played the game that way, I think we'd all feel comfortable saying Georgia is the better team. But given the recent history with Alabama, given this team has not beaten Alabama since 2007, I think there's certainly a factor. And until much like Michigan was able to do last week, much like Oklahoma state was able to do last week until I see Georgia overcome Alabama and all that has come with that program, because they still for all the flaws that they have this season, they still have great players and they might have the two best players in this game in Bryce Young and Will Anderson. Until I see Georgia do that, I'm going to be a little skeptical that we see that. Uh, Steve Shafini, good to see you. Thank you for the kind words. Uh, I did. I want to scroll up and find the comment. William Gleaton, injury report. So we did not get a chance to talk to Kirby Smart. We are going to get a chance to hear from him on Thursday. Uh, the names to sort of know, the biggest two names, obviously Chris Smith and Broderick Jones. Chris Smith was able to practice on Monday. Jamari Sawyer was able to practice on Monday. I think that's encouraging signs. I think you need both of those guys. If you're going to win, obviously, I, I think Smith is the most important name to watch, especially for how Alabama is going to try and attack this Georgia defense. Uh, Kendall Milton, I would list as questionable right now. It seems like that MCL, they thought they were going to have him ready to go against Georgia Tech last week. He was unable to do so. But it is encouraging that he dressed and traveled for that game. Obviously, when you have Samir White, when you have James Cook, and you have Kenny McIntosh, the need there isn't quite as great as it is in the secondary where you're not as deep. But I think that's worth watching there as well. Karis Jackson sounds like he's going to be able to play. He's fine. Just has a little bit of a ribs injury. I will be interested to see if he's back there returning punts for Georgia. He's been – well, he hasn't broken a touchdown yet. He's been great in that aspect in terms of flipping the field. He's played that role before in big games. And while sometimes not returning a big – you know, obviously everyone wants the big return. One of the bigger things is fielding the punt itself and preventing it from rolling an extra 10 to 15 yards there. And that's something Ladd McConkey let happen against Georgia Tech last week. I'll be interested to see if Kier, if that changes and how it goes from there. Uh, Cedric Williams, thank you. He is from Lovejoy, Georgia. Uh, Georgia. That is Will Anderson. Uh, so thank you there. Uh, Vonnie Seals, yes. George Pickens is going to play. Uh, he played last week. Played probably around 10 snaps over the course of the game. Had one catch for five yards. Uh, he's not all the way back yet, obviously. Still only eight months removed from that ACL injury, but – the threat of him out there alone, I think, helps this Georgia offense. We'll see how much he's able to get the ball and what he's able to do in this game. But the fact that he's healthy, the fact that he's on the field for this offense is a positive. Uh, Chris Lemway, this is a good point. 
Um, so Darian Kendrick has been exemplary this year. He's been everything that Georgia has looked for in its other cornerback. Uh, and he's been great. He's been locked down. Probably going to be first team all SEC. And I think has a chance, maybe, I, I, I don't know if this has ever happened, to be the first player to be first team all SEC and all eight, first team all ACC, which he was last year at Clemson. Against Ohio State last year in the college football playoff game, against LSU in the night in the 2019 national championship game, he struggled with those receivers. And those uh, Ohio State and LSU both went after him. I'm going to be interested to see. You know, does Alabama try him early with Jamison Williams downfield, trying to stretch the field there? Because Georgia, well, they've played more zone this season. Might be in man early, early on in this game because as we have seen. If you're going to beat Alabama, if you're going to limit this offense, Al- Auburn and Arkansas to do very different tactics to this. One of them had great success. One of them was an abject failure. Arkansas decided, you know what? We're going to drop eight in coverage. We're only going to rush three. We're not going to really pressure Bryce Young. And we, we trust our defense to slow him down. Bryce Young threw for more yards in a single game than any Alabama quarterback has ever done. Against Auburn that next week, they played a lot more man coverage. And granted, uh, Roger McCurry is, I believe, a first-round cornerback. Uh, and Blitz quite often, brought six more often. And you would think LSU had similar success blitzing. I think you're going to see Georgia be aggressive. Blitz, sometimes bring Kobe as a linebacker, sometimes bring both, bring six guys, try and have more guys than Alabama can block. And so I think how Darian Kendrick and Keely Ringo hold up on the outside, I think is going to be well worth watching, specifically Kendrick, because we know in games like this before, opposing teams have targeted him. Let's see. Uh, Kevin Cook, yeah, I, I thought Kenny McIntosh, the way he played against the way he played against Georgia Tech, that's the best he's looked in a while. Had a long touchdown run, is has great hands. You know, maybe not the shiftiness that James Cook has, but he is an impact player as a ball catcher. Can go out and make plays in the passing game. We saw him do that against Arkansas. I think he had a one-handed catch, maybe against Missouri, if my memory is serving me correctly there. So he is definitely a guy that has played well as the season has gone on. Let's see. Um, Tyler Jenkins, the next good game that Trey Sanders has as Alabama's lead running back will be his first. He's going to be in a role on Saturday that he has not been in before. And obviously five-star running back, a guy Georgia recruiting people know, but he has not had a career at Alabama people thought he was going to have. It was battle injury, had a foot injury that cost him his whole first year, had a bad traffic injury that cost him most of last year there at Alabama. And so it was sort of buried on the depth chart this year behind guys, obviously Brian Robinson, the leading rusher, who's now dealing with a lower body injury. And it sounds like might prevent him from playing this game. But there were two or three other running backs that Alabama had that were ahead of Sanders on the depth chart. And the reason that Sanders is playing is availability is the best ability. And Sanders has that right now. Let's see. Uh, comments, thoughts, questions. Let's see. Keep, I'm going to keep scrolling here. I'm seeing uh, G Bama boy talking a lot, uh, which to be expected, you know, and he's honest with this team. I'm, I'm a fan of G Bama boy and, and, and the analysis that it brings. I'd be interested in what he thought of this game. Yeah, so Jeremy Neighbors, and this is what Georgia does. This is what you know all, all really good defenses do. If you're able to pressure Bryce Young and confuse him and keep him from knowing where pressure is coming from so that he can make adjustments against it, that's going to go a long way in slowing this team down. I think if you're Georgia, if you can get four, five sacks in this game, I think that's going to go a long way to winning. 
Let's see. Uh, I saw someone asked about Arik Gilbert. Still not with the team. Not going to see him this year. Let's see. I'm going to keep scrolling. Uh, Antonio Jones, yeah. Bama's offensive line has been an issue this season, specifically at center. Uh, it sounds like Darren Delacourt, their starter, is dealing with a little bit of an ankle injury. It's not something you want to have uh, going against Jordan Davis. And then right tackle Chris Owens has been a, a liability in in, pa- in in the pass rush. Obviously, Evan Neal is a first-round talent. He's going to be a top-five pick this year. But that Alabama offensive line, and Kirby sort of touched on this this week, when you lose three top-40 picks, Alex Leatherwood, Landon Dickinson, and I'm blanking on who uh, another top offensive lineman that they have. When you lose that kind of talent up front that Alabama had, it's tough to replace that quickly. And I think Alabama, despite recruiting as well as they have on the offensive line, maybe the only program that can rival Georgia in that aspect, it takes time for these offensive lines to get up and rolling. I think you've even seen that with Georgia with that 28-19 line, as great as it was, it's it's taken a while to get back to that level because when you have so many guys that play for so long, the turnover there makes it really tough. Uh, Jerry Dogs fan. Yeah, I thought, granted, Georgia Tech is awful, uh, so it's hard to take a lot from that game. He looked really comfortable and really confident in what he was doing in that game, and I think it, it was a strong – it was probably the best game, especially considering the talent that he has played. Obviously, the UAB game at the beginning of the year was really strong for him as well. 14 of 20, 255 passing yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Stetson Bennett, look – for for all the, the criticism he has taken, he is a much better player than the one that played in Tuscaloosa last year. He talked about it this week, has learned from some of the mistakes, knows, hey, sometimes it's okay to throw the ball away and, and not take a sack. And so, obviously, a lot is going to be on him this week. A chance for him, and, I, and I'll admit, I'm rooting for him. Uh, a win for Stetson Bennett this week I think would be so great. I think this guy has taken so much unnecessary flack from even the Georgia fan base itself. Uh a win for him would mean so much to him and so much the way he is seen and discussed. And by the way, for everyone to say, oh, he's 5'9", he's 5'8". I was in the elevator with him this week. He is 5'11". And, and if you wanted to say he is six foot, I would have no issue with that because there are players on the Georgia roster who are listed at six foot, who I know for a fact are closer to 5'9". So Stetson Bennett, obviously a lot going to be on him this week and how he goes about doing it. Uh, Jermaine King yeah, touched on this. We'll know more on Thursday from Kirby Smart, how revealing, how honest that is. I'm not sure, but that's the next time we get a chance to talk to Kirby, and that'll tell us more there on Chris Smith. Uh, I think if he's not there, a name to sort of keep an eye out for, William Poole was suspended the first four games of the season for academic reasons, played quite a bit last week at Georgia Tech, and I think could be somebody who comes into that star role, who has experience, who offers some, some you know, a potential option to either Dan Jackson at safety or Latavius Breening at the star position. I think he could be a guy in the event that Chris Smith is not healthy, is able to go out there. If Chris Smith is healthy, I think you see him a lot at star this week, and you move Dan Jackson to your starting safety spot. Let's see... Uh, Nicholas Guerrero, I feel comfortable saying Zach Evans will not end up at Georgia. Uh, as someone who covered that, uh, recruitment pretty closely. Uh, I think Georgia had their chance at Zach Evans and Zach did not do the things necessary to end up at Georgia. Uh, Jaden Hazelwood is a much more interesting name to sort of follow. Georgia still wanted him, recruited him hard down the stretch, even after he decommitted and ended up at Oklahoma. And, and I think, you know, We'll see what the attrition is like at wide receiver. We'll see what Kyrus Jackson and George Pickens do in terms of NFL decisions. I think we all know George Pickens is likely gone, but Jordan did not land the type of player they wanted to in this wide receiver recruiting class. They miss on Andre Green Jr. They miss on Luther Burden. Bringing in Jaden Hazelwood for a year, 
I think that helps some of the, the misses that you had there at that wide receiver position. So I definitely think Hazelwood is a much more realistic name to watch than Zach Evans. Uh, Steve Rogers, Alabama is going to be in red. Georgia is going to be in white uh, to answer your question. Let's see. Uh, Matthew Goodwin, I'm going to answer this from a wider college football perspective. The game that I'm I'm going to have my closest watch on is that Baylor-Oklahoma State game uh, because I think that's probably your best chance at seeing an upset. Obviously, things can get weird with Iowa and Michigan. Iowa can muck that game up and, and make life difficult there for Michigan. So – I think with um, with that Baylor-Oklahoma State game, Baylor's good enough to beat Oklahoma State. And, and, and Baylor, if they had not lost to TCU, I think would be a very legitimate college football playoff contender. And Oklahoma State, uh, you know, played at home last week. There was some questionable officiating. They gifted Oklahoma some points in that game. Uh, that Baylor game gets very, very interesting. And let's say Alabama loses to Georgia, very real possibility – let's say Oklahoma state loses. I think those two, those two results, very plausible that they happen, making an absolute nightmare because from that point, you're not really considering a big 12 team anymore. Do you put a Notre Dame team in that doesn't have a head coach at this moment? Uh, that's going to be really tough. And it's completely unfair to the players there. It, it, you know, for Dabo Sweeney, when he said, Oh, you're gonna have players opt out of a playoff. We should have Brian Kelly, a head coach opt out of a playoff possibility there at Notre Dame. Does a two-loss Alabama, even with a loss to Georgia, regardless of what the score is, end up getting in? Does Ohio State suddenly get new life as a two-loss team out of the Big Ten? I think that's going to be something to watch going forward. Obviously, Cincinnati-Houston is the other big big game to watch in terms of what they're going to be able to do. If you're a fan of football, though, if you like points, if you like fun football, that ACC championship game between Pitt – and, and, and Wake Forest is definitely going to be worth tuning in for. Kenny Pickett, probably the first quarterback taken in the draft next year. Sam Hartman has had a great year for Wake Forest. Not a lot of defense going to be played in that game, but that's going to be a fun game to watch uh, for the ACC championship there. Uh, Lowell Joe on YouTube. Keys to the game. Block Will Anderson. Pressure Bryce Young. And this is the most important thing, and it's a lame key, but Georgia hasn't done this in the three games that Kirby Smart has been the head coach of Georgia. He has not scored a, a point in the fourth quarter. Make the winning plays in the fourth quarter. Georgia very well could be up big by that point. Uh, I, you know, while I have not given away my prediction, I think some of you can tell where I'm leaning. I would not be stunned if Georgia just this Georgia defense just comes out, punches Bama in the mouth, and this offense efficiently attacks Alabama in the areas that it is weakest. If it is a close game, which I think many of us expected to be just given Alabama hasn't really been blown out other than the national title game against Clemson make those winning plays in the fourth quarter they have not made those Georgia needs to do that I think this team is different I've said for a while this team has a different feel to it if they're able to do that whether it be getting a key stop or making a key play whether it's James Cook with a big play whether it's Stetson Bennett scrambling for a first down late to ice the game away Nolan Smith getting a late sack Keely Ringo breaking up a pass Lewis Seen uh stopping a defender short of a first down those are the types of plays that Georgia has not been able to make against Alabama. I want to see if they're going to be able to. It might not matter. If Georgia might get up big. I, the, if we're ranking the four outcomes of big Georgia win, close Georgia win, close Alabama win, big Alabama win, a big Alabama win would be obviously be the most surprising. I don't think that's going to happen. A, 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 a big Georgia win, there's a world where I see that happening. They don't have a running game. They fall behind early. They become very predictable. 
and Georgia is able to do enough in this game to really limit what Alabama is able to do. So block Will Anderson, pressure Bryce Young, make the winning plays in winning time. Those are sort of my three keys to the game. Um, Let's see. We'll do maybe one or two more good questions and then get out of here. Um, I mean, I'll point out, and granted, TJ Finley was hurt. They, he was not playing well last week. There are still some talented players on this Alabama defense, but they also have some very obvious flaws. I think they're very – that middle of the field area, their safeties and their linebackers are maybe not up to the Alabama standard of a pass there. And I think because of that, you're able to get them just – Josh Job is a good cornerback, but he is not on the level that, say, a Patrick Sertain was in years past, a Dre Fitzpatrick, or Kirkpatrick, excuse me, some of the other great corners that they've had there at Alabama. And so it's still, they're really, and Will Anderson might be as good as any defensive player Alabama's had since Nick Saban has been there. But the collective part, it is not as strong, obviously, as this Georgia defense, but even some of those Alabama defenses of the past. So. Let's see. Let's get one more question. Uh, yeah, uh, hold on. Uh, Thomas Van Santa, it, I'm really interested to see how Nolan Smith plays in this game. Uh, only has one and a half sacks this season, but he made some really big plays in those Florida and Missouri games and is a guy who I wrote about, clear leader on this team. And, and big-time players, which I believe Nolan Smith is, make big-time plays in big-time games. I'm going to be really interested. I think this is a chance for Nolan Smith to make a real statement game of what he's going to be able to do. And so because of that, I think he's a guy that I'm really interested to see what kind of impact he has. Obviously, Kobe's going to be asked to blitz a lot and impact and pressure Bryce Young that way. He is Georgia's leading pass rusher, I would point out. And, you know, obviously the – like, Nicobe Dean, whether or not you think he's better than Roquan, he has lived up to that mantle and that reputation and has done everything need be. If he has a big game on Saturday and balls out, I think we can end, you know – the as he lived up to Roquan and maybe even start asking, is he better than Roquan with what he has been able to do? Because he has been an absolute monster this year for Georgia. And to do it against this Alabama team, which I think we know is better than that that Auburn team was in the 2017 SEC championship game, I think it's say a lot for his legacy as a player. So oh wow, we got a ton of comments tonight. So you guys are doing a great job tonight. But at that note, we're gonna call it uh Gee, Bama boy, this is one last good point. Um, have to play nickel to cover Bowers. The linebacker can't cover him. Absolutely correct there. I think how Georgia, and this is one last little key here, how Georgia goes about attacking Alabama's linebackers, uh, whether it be with Bowers, whether it be with Washington, whether it be with James Cook and Kenny McIntosh, that's going to be something Georgia has to do successfully. That is, I think, clearly the weakest part of this Alabama defense. And if they're able to do that and they say, all right, you know what? We have to play with six defensive backs on the field, but even go beyond nickel. That's going to open things up for Georgia in the rushing in the rushing game. And while Alabama is still a very good run defense, I think when you're just running five on five into a box like that, I think it's going to make a difference in this game. So how those guys attack those Alabama linebackers, Henry Toto and Christian Harris. And you're going to go a long way to determine the outcome in this game. Uh, you've got before the hedges tomorrow night with Jeff Santel. Obviously, Georgia's recruited very well recently, got two commits back-to-back days, including a player out of Alabama that Alabama wanted and made a, a late push for there. So you've got that to look forward to. Brandon Adams, Monday through Friday, every Dog Nation daily. Mike Griffith and I have you covered on content coming out of Georgia and Alabama this week. And so having said all that, obviously chase for the championship Thursday at Marlowe's in Brookhaven. It's going to be a ton of fun. It's the first time we've done one of these in a while. 
Really, really looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing you guys out there. Myself, Brandon Adams, maybe a special guest or two. Jeff Sintel will all be there. We're really looking forward to it. I hope we get to see some of you guys out there and talk about, you know, what this game is going to be like. That's where you're going to hear my score predictions. So I will save it for then. Uh, my name is Connor Riley. This has been Connor Uncovered. You do this every Tuesday night. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be back next Tuesday talking college football playoff, recapping SEC championship game, coaching carousel news, looking ahead to National Signing Day. It's a busy, busy time of the year. And stay tuned to Dog Nation for the latest. My name is Connor Riley. Thanks for tuning in.